Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. For hundreds of thousands of Australians, former coalition government's clawback of welfare overpayments became a time of great distress. In some cases, they even took their own lives. Now, a royal commission into the robo-debt scandal has heard the Commonwealth was warned the debt recovery scheme was potentially illegal years before it began. Today, 7.30 reporter Paul Farrell on the woman who fought to expose the injustice and how the commission could reveal wrongdoing at the highest levels. Paul, I want you to tell me about Deanna Amato. Who's she? Deanna Amato, she's just had a a six-month-old daughter. Mm -hmm. Her life's going great. It's really different now, and I've got a little six-month-old baby girl. It's a very different story to how she was going three years ago when she found herself caught up in the middle of this really, really complicated government scheme that we now know was RoboDebt. Mm. It does feel like a different, a different life where that all happened in some ways. So back in 2012, like lots of Australians, Deanna was working part-time and she decided to go and study. So I'd applied to get into Swinburne and, yeah, it all started from there and... That's when, obviously, I dropped all my shifts there and started studying and went on Centrelink. And, you know, the Australian government has all these great payments like Study that it offers to help people who are studying to kind of get on their feet and, and find their way. It makes a huge difference, you know. Studying full-time, you don't have much time to actually work. As the years went by, she started to hear occasionally a little bit in the media um, some stories about this this thing called RoboDebt and and how the government was kind of trying to claw back money from welfare recipients. ...and streamlining existing compliance activities, the more frequent and stringent reporting, um, the more thorough government income matching when it comes to... She didn't really think anything about it at the time. Um, That is, until 2018, when she got the absolute shock of her life. So I was waiting for my tax return to arrive and it had been late by a few months and was wondering what had happened. So when I looked into it, found that the government had basically taken it all and I noticed that they'd taken to the cent and that worried me even more because it meant that I actually owed even more than that. She calls her accountant and they tell her, Deanna, you've got this debt from from the government. and the debt was actually to the value of about $2,700. Yeah, I thought I had reported everything right, but obviously when that robo-debt catches up with you, you wonder what you'd done. I think like a lot of people who receive these debts just found it to be a really um, anxiety-inducing experience. It really weighed a lot on her and she thought, God, I've done something wrong. I, I, I must have done something wrong. What's happened? And In that moment, um, and, you know, doing something she never thought she would need to do, she called up Victoria Legal Aid for help. Mm. And Victoria Legal Aid had provided a a whole hotline where it helped people with robo-debts to um, to deal with these sorts of debts. And and they helped her to start to unpack what had happened exactly. Mm. And when they started getting more documents relating to Deanna's case, what actually became clear is that Deanna had done absolutely nothing wrong. Quite obviously a mistake on their behalf or the robo-debt algorithm. 
They collected all her payslips. They compared it with what the government, um, the government's so-called debt was, and they realised there actually was no debt at all. Um, it, it was entirely false. What does she do next? Legal aid's helping her. They realise, in fact, she's done nothing wrong at all. She doesn't owe anything. So what happens next? So at this stage, Deanna, like many of Australians, she could have gone back to um, to Centrelink and said, look, here's all the documents. Mm. Clearly, I don't have a debt. And she could have walked away from it. And I think there's probably a lot of people in that situation who who would have done that. Victoria Legal Aid at the time had also been looking for the cases that really highlighted how wrong this scheme was. And they were looking for people who might be willing to potentially take on the federal government in federal court mm. to determine that the way that Centrelink was raising these debts was unlawful. And so Deanna thought about that and, and it was a decision that weighed on her a lot, but ultimately she decided to do it. And, and one of the big reasons that she decided to do it was that she was hearing all of these stories of vulnerable Australians who, you know, some of them with debts in the tens of thousands of dollars, mm. you know, people who were, were homeless, people with mental health problems, people with all kinds of really, really challenging situations. And she decided that she wanted to, 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 to be one of the people who kind of took on this scheme um, and so she went to the federal court. Well, it's either a groundbreaking legal case or a political stunt, depending on who you believe. A class action suit is being launched against the government's controversial robo-debt scheme. As much as I was scared, I did have a bit of anger about it and, you know, the fact that they were doing this to so many people. And ultimately, I feel like someone had to use their case to bring it forward to put a stop to it. And I just happened to be in the best position to do it. Mm, and it's just hundreds of thousands of people who were affected by this. It's pretty brave of her to do that. What did the federal court find and then what did the government do? So they took this case to the federal court. They won. Um, and it was a resounding victory for Deanna and for Victoria Legal Aid. Computer blunder has ended in a billion dollar payout to hundreds of thousands of Australians. Just minutes before the robo-debt debacle... So before the case had even gone to a full hearing, the federal government decided that it, it wasn't going to proceed with that full hearing. Judgment was entered in favour of Deanna Ramato, and in that judgment, the federal government effectively acknowledged that the method that they had used for calculating her robo-debt and thousands of others was unlawful. Mm. Okay, and Stuart Robert, he was the minister at the time. What was he saying about all of this? So just two weeks before Deanna's case was settled, Stuart Robert got up in a press conference and said, we're pausing this form of debt recovery from purely automated debts. This morning, my department commenced some refinements to the income compliance system. So that was really the turning point and, and kind of marked the beginning of the end of this robo-debt scheme, mm. where the government slowly started to wind down debt collection activities based on this kind of algorithmic decision-making. There were 433,000 Australians with unlawful debts raised against them, and, and that was with a total value of $1.73 billion. So that's a huge amount of money. Mm, and a long-serving Administrative Appeals Tribunal member, Terry Carney, he was really involved, wasn't he, in clawing that money back for the victims? It was the test case that uh, stopped robo-debt in its tracks pretty well. 
It accepted that it had no legal uh, leg at all. And you spoke to him, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. And and one of the things that I think is is really significant about Diana's case and um and about Terry Carney's involvement is that there were clear warnings along the way for the federal government. So Terry Carney was a former member of the Administrative Appeals Tribunal, and back in 2017, he was already warning in his decisions that this method of debt collection was simply not lawful. Yet the government continued to do it despite those warnings. I handed down five decisions that said it's unlawful. Centrelink was uh, refusing to accept the verdict of the umpire, uh, the tribunal. It's there to determine the legality and appropriateness of Centrelink decision-making. So, Paul, let's now look at this Royal Commission that's begun this week and was announced by Anthony Albanese in August. What have we heard so far? Yeah, so the the Royal Commission so far has given us um, a really extraordinary insight, even just on day one, into what was going on behind the scenes. Mm. The power of the Royal Commission is that, you know, it doesn't need to deal with claims of legal professional privilege. It doesn't need to deal with any of these kind of issues around challenges with getting access to documents. It just cuts through everything. And so... Now, we've already seen, um, just after day one, that the government had advice as far back as 2014, showing some concerns with the lawfulness of this particular scheme. And what the Robodet Royal Commission has also revealed is that the government held off getting really, really detailed advice until Deanna Amato's case in 2019, because it appeared to be worried that it would get this advice saying, no, no, this is totally unlawful, you you can't do it. Mm. And we now know from that 2019 advice that there was this categorical um, advice given by the Solicitor General saying this this scheme and the way it is currently operating is, is not lawful. Here are all the problems with it and, and why it shouldn't be functioning in this particular way. So um, that's what we've already got after just, you know, one or two days. But what's likely to happen in coming weeks is we're going to see a whole range of public servants and, and senior ministers called to talk through their role in that decision-making process. You mentioned that ministers might appear. I mean, who would that be? We don't quite know yet who exactly is going to be called, but certainly it's possible that some of the ministers who have served in the social services role, and and that's people like Scott Morrison, people like Alan Tudge, people like Stuart Robert, mm-hmm. could potentially be called as witnesses to um, to the commission to explain what they knew about the lawfulness of the scheme at the time and, and how they interacted at these sort of key moments um, as things moved on. Mm, and Deanna, she'll be watching this Royal Commission pretty closely, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, people like Deanna Amato and, uh, and other victims of this program would really, really like to see government ministers who sort of drove this program at key points um, being called to give evidence, to watch on, have that opportunity to see how people in power answer those questions. I'd like to see what everyone in those positions has to say about how some things were ignored at the time. We need to make sure that there aren't these kind of mistakes again and that people don't end up getting caught up in systems like this where they, where they feel like they've been left behind, where they feel like the government isn't acting in their best interests. Paul Farrell is a reporter with 730. 
Royal Commission's final report is due by mid-April next year. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer this week is Sydney Pead. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. To get in touch with the team, email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.